Wonderful. Good afternoon to you all. Isn't it great to worship and find yourself in the afternoon and to get an extra hour of sleep, if you remembered? I think, I think we should have the extra hour every week. What do you think? I think this could work. Anyway, we're looking at the Sermon on the Mount at the moment. And the reason we're, we're going through the Sermon on the Mount is because we're seeing wonderful blessing from the Lord. So many people are giving their lives to Jesus at the moment. And we love this and it's a wonderful season. And it's hidden, but over here is the baptistry. We're going to be baptising a number of them tonight. And then we're going to, again in December, because there's that many people coming. We're, We're able to do baptisms every month now, which is incredibly exciting. But once you've given your life to Jesus, everything starts to change. So now, how do I live? Um, how do I, um, what, is, what does Jesus want me to do with my life? And, 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 and how, how is um, following him going to change the way I live? So that's what we're talking about. So Proverbs 3 says, let not mercy and truth forsake you. Bind them around your neck, write them on the tablet of your heart, and so find favour and high esteem in the sight of God and man. What, what Proverbs is saying is if you value truth and mercy in your life, you will gain the reputation of living well before man and woman and God. So... Let's read some of the words of Jesus. If you've got a Bible, and you should have a Bible, but if it's on the phone, it does count, but the paper one is more accurate. <laughs> it's not really. Just take, I, I just can't see the paper one. So I, hopefully my eyes, are, they should have gone down. I've got someone to pray for my eyes. Here we go. Oh, let's stand. Come on, we're going to read the Word of God. Um, And again, if you're visiting here and think, why are we up and down, up and down? Why do we stand? This is God's Word. And we we honour whatever the Lord says. So my words, they're down here. His Word is right up here. So we're going to read some verses. So Matthew chapter 5, verse 33. Again, you have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not swear falsely, but shall perform your oaths to the Lord. But I say to you, do not swear at all, neither by heaven, for it is God's throne, nor by earth, for it is his footstool, nor by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. Nor shall you swear by your head, because you cannot make one hair white or black. But let your yes be yes, and your no, no. For whatever is more than these is from the evil one. Amen. Take a seat. Many, many years ago, when I had hair, and it was um, kind of like a brownie kind of colour, I was doing youth work up in Merseyside, and a young guy gave his life to, to Jesus. He had a kind of murky past. Um, he'd been, I, I, if I remember rightly, doing drugs, and uh, he'd been stealing. He'd got caught, and he had a court appearance. So he thought it might be a good idea if I came along and gave a character reference for him 
that, you know, he was a reformed guy and um, he shouldn't go to prison. Um, and I, let me just first say that personally, I think if you do something that warrants prison, you need to go to prison. You can be forgiven, but you, there, is, there is a punishment for our, for our actions, okay? But anyway, so we went to court, and I, not, I, I hadn't really been in court very often. In fact, I think it was the first time I'd ever been in court. It wasn't a jury or anything. There was just a judge, probably you know, some solicitors and stuff like that. And I stood up there, and they handed me a Bible. And they said, would you just put your hand on the Bible and repeat? And they gave me, there was a card. They said, repeat after me. And I went, oh, I don't think I can. And I, I remember this kid going, oh, no. Um, I heard, you know, because the Bible says you shouldn't swear by anything. You should let your yes be yes and your no, no. So I was just going to give my word. And, you know, it was really interesting. They didn't bat an eyelid. They went, oh, that's okay. They took the Bible away and they just handed me a card and said, will you say the truth? I said, yes. Because that's all that's needed for a Christian. And, and just to tell you the end of the story, um, the truth is this, this kid had got himself connected with our church community. And, and I did ask, I said to the court, you know, I, he deserves to go to jail. Um, I think it was his third time in appearing in court. So, And I said, but... This may be the first time in his life that he's actually in a community that loves him. He's given his life to Jesus. Let's see what Jesus can do with him. And, you know, if you'll release him um, to us, we'll take the best care of him we can. And actually they did. Uh, I, I don't know how he's doing now because this is many years ago, but my prayer is that the grace that God showed him there, he's walking in, and my prayer is he's doing well. So Christians don't swear on the Bible. They live by the Bible. That's what I want you to understand. And what Jesus is saying here is, what is going to drive the direction of your life, God or the devil? That's what he says. He says, anything more than yes or no comes from the evil one. And, and he's, he's following this on from divorce. We talked about divorce a couple of weeks ago. And, and the point he's making is we make the marriage vow it's probably the most important vow we're ever going to make. But what, what they were doing was they were breaking that vow by sending a text message. You know, they could just hand a note and, and thinking that they, they could be um, absolved from the vow they had made. So what Jesus is doing, and like he does all through the Sermon on the Mount, he moves the goalposts. So he says, you have heard it said of those of old, you shall not swear falsely, but shall perform your oaths to the Lord. What, he, what, he's, what he's saying is do what you say before the Lord. But I say to you, do not swear at all. Why? Because your yes and your no is very powerful. You don't need to swear by heaven because the one of heaven has come and made his life in you. You now live for him and represent him. That changes the way we use our words. Now, God always keeps his word. In fact, the only time he doesn't keep his word is when he shows mercy. So he always keeps his promises. He is always faithful. He is always loving. And his 
character is always to show mercy. This is why it's so important that we bind truth and mercy around our necks for everyone to see, because that will show people we are like the Lord. Do you remember, I, I, the, the story of Jonah is a fun one. You probably, if, you, if you went to Sunday school, they'd have done the story of Jonah. God calls this prophet to go to Nineveh and preach the gospel. Jonah doesn't want to go, so he runs away, ends up on a ship, a big storm comes, and they, so they, they throw him overboard. Um, he gets eaten by a whale, which is really a bad day. And, um, and then he spends three, three days in the whale, um, does business with God. God tells the whale to throw him up on the beach. Um, and then he goes to Nineveh to preach the gospel. And it's probably the only time in the Scriptures where a whole city gets converted And you would think Jonah would be happy, but Jonah's not happy. Jonah's depressed. Why? He says this, Ah, Lord, was was not this what I said when I was still in my country? Therefore I fled previously to Tarshish, for I know that you are gracious and merciful God, slow to anger, abundant in loving kindness, one who relents from doing harm. You see, what, what he's saying is, God, I knew it. I went and called the miserable sinners. I preached my heart at them. I told them they were going to burn in hell. They listened to me. They listened to the words. They, they, from the king down, they said, what must we do to be saved? And then you, God, went and had mercy on them. I'm depressed. That's the, and, and do you know what? That is the, the story that's happened to you and I. You know, we've heard the gospel of Jesus. Something turned in our hearts and suddenly we realised, oh my goodness, I am wrong. I need Jesus in my life. Lord, I, I want it. Now, hopefully you guys that are sharing your faith with people who don't go and get depressed. Well, I hope you burn in hell. You know, we got one. We, we got one. But you, you see this loving, merciful God who, who hates sin, hates and the destruction that it brings, but forgives in a moment because of what Jesus has done on the cross. So we often use our words to to make us look good in the moment. There is a point. Instead of trusting God for the miracle of what he will do through us. You see, because this Jesus has now made his life in us, we are starting to be like him. We're starting to reflect his likeness. We now speak his words of truth and words of mercy. You need both. You see, once we followed the devil, who's the father of lies. He's always lying. But now we belong to Jesus, so we reflect his character of truth. So our yes is yes. And our no is no, because everything else comes from the devil. So walking with Jesus, if you're, if you're a, a new Christian or if you're an old Christian, doesn't matter what you are, walking with Jesus is really easy. We walk in the light for everyone to see. Whatever you do, do it in the light. Don't hide things. So I've got two things to say quickly, and I haven't got long. Lives of integrity. What would it be like if your yes was yes and your no was no? Parents, 
often, you know, we're, we're the other end now. You know, people say, well, how do I raise my kids? What do I do? One of the most important things you can do, obviously, is love your children. But number two, let your word be your word. Don't make promises you can't keep. One of the most destructive things for children is when we break our word to them. And so don't make promises you can't keep. And if you do break your promise or a circumstance that causes you to break your promise, um, confess it to them. And we raise our children that where our word is our word because we're teaching them that God's word is his word. Therefore, our word is our word. Or what about at work? What if your word was your word? You know, your boss says, could you do this for me? Absolutely, I'd love to do that. And you went and did it. Or could you sort out this tricky situation? I'd, I'd love to. And, and he knows that if you have said you'll go and do it, it will be done. He has nothing else to worry about. You see, the righteous and the unrighteous appreciate integrity. They may not live truthfully themselves, but they want us to. They need us to. See, aren't you fed up? I feel like I spent half my life on the phone talking to people who said they were going to do something who haven't done it. Well, we dispatched it yesterday. Well, why is it not here today then? Three weeks later. Oh, it must have got lost somewhere. How many, do you know know what I mean? We're constantly on the phone. People were making promises, but they haven't actually they haven't done it. Or what, what about when people flatter you? And you know they don't mean it. It just bugs me a bit. I every now and again said, you don't mean that. I do sometimes. Christians should say what they mean and mean what they say. Because we have the Spirit of God in us. Even when it's uncomfortable. You see, it's much easier to flatter someone when it's comfortable but sometimes we need to speak the truth and mercy. You know, Ecclesiastes says this, do not be rash with your mouth and let not your heart utter anything hastily before God, for God is in heaven and you on earth, therefore let your words be few. Watch what you say before God and before men. Don't make your words make you look good. Don't make promises you can't keep. Allow the Holy Spirit to work in your life and bring glory to God through your life. Okay, what if you've lied? Anyone here ever lied? We've all done it. Come on, own up, own up. <laughs> well, I might have done it just a, just a little, you know, just a little tiny little story. (laughs) Well, first, you have to call it what it is. You know, it's not I've messed up, it's I've sinned. Jesus, Jesus only died for sins, not messes. Okay, he's forgiven our sin. So we call it what it is. And then the next thing you do is you confess it. So if we've, if we have lied, we, we confess and we turn the lights on before the Holy Spirit turns the light on for you. All right? And so again, we turn the lights on 
We blow our own cover before He does it for us. This is what Luke writes. These are the words of Jesus. There is nothing covered that will not be revealed, nor hidden that will not be made known. Therefore, whatever you've spoken in the dark will be heard in the light. And whatever you've spoken in the ear in inner rooms will be proclaimed on the housetops. Darn. So if you have lied, shout it from the housetops yourself. That's what repentance looks like. If you've lied to your family, tell them, blow the whistle on yourself, turn the lights on. If you've lied at work, confess. And you go, well, that, that could be difficult. It's meant to be difficult because I tell you the Holy Spirit will proclaim it from the rooftops, not to punish you. He, he's not gonna shout it so you look bad and get punished. Um, he's he's going to turn the lights on to free you from the power of the devil. This is what Jesus is talking about. You see, the devil is the father of lies. He hates the light, but he knows while that the lie is in the secret place, he has you. So when we confess, there is no power anymore. I, I when I when I became a Christian. I had a wonderful encounter with Jesus, confessed my sins. Um, they, the next day, we were in Bible study. And they were talking about Zacchaeus. And, and they said, if you've wronged anyone, now you're a Christian, go and put it right, because that's what Zacchaeus does. He says, you know, if I've charged anyone uh, more tax than I should have, I'm going to pay it back fourfold. And I'm like, oh, um, um, um. it was amazing how quickly something came to mind. And I, I, I used to steal from this farm every now and again. Just uh, not much. We're, we're only talking 50p, you know, 20p. That was a lot of money in those days. Um, and, um, and it was just, I couldn't get it out of my head. So I said, go and put it right. So I, I jumped on my push bike. It was about a few miles away. Cycled, cycled down, got to the farmer's house. I'm, I'm a new Christian. I, I belong to Jesus now. This is amazing. This is wonderful. And then as I I got to the house, I banged on the door. Thank God no one was in. And and I thought, oh, Lord, you've... you've, you've." But unfortunately, his wife was just around the side. So she came around and said, yes. She was a sweet lady. She said, yes, can I help you? And I was was just looking for the farmer, but uh, he's out, right? And she said, oh, don't worry. He's only over in the field. So I went, oh, good, okay, and I could see him in the distance. So I got on my bike, and I'm over there, there were like little tracks, and, I'm, and it, the closer I got to him, the bigger he got. And it was, it was fine while he was in the distance, but I'm cycling away, and he's, he's, that guy was a giant. And, and I get up to him, and, he, he, and I go on my bike, walk over to him, and he just, he just looks at me and goes, what? <laughs> oh, and I said, you know, you've got a tin over there. Yes, I was starting to tweak his interest. And I said, I may have. Um, help myself occasionally. He said, how many times? How much? And I said, well, look, and I, somehow I must have got that I'd become a Christian and given my life to Jesus and, and I wanted to live for him now. And this giant, had, I mean, he, Goliath had nothing on this guy, okay? And I'm looking up at him and he's, he, he, he's like, and, and I think I saw a smile come on his face at one point. And, and he said, see that trailer? I said, yeah, he said, Load it. 
There's loads of hay bales. He says, load it and we'll call it quits. So he sat and watched me and I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm like a little kid. I'm like lo- loading this, this, this tray. Of sweat is running off me. But I, and, I, I, and, and, then he, and then he said, now get out of here. <laughs> it was, he was very pastoral. Um, and I, and I, but I got on my bike and I'm cycling home and I, something, I just, it was the most amazing feeling of understanding of, of what Jesus was doing in my life and, and the way my life was about to change because he now lived in me. I didn't own my life, he did. And I was to do what he said. Okay, what if someone lies to you? Ever had anyone lie to you? And you know they're doing it? Yeah, that really gets you. Well, what, I want to ask you two questions. First, how did you find out? How did you find out they lied? So if they confess that they've lied to you, it comes down to trust. If someone is confessing, they may be acting under the unction of the Spirit, so there is hope for transformation. And what I normally say, if somebody is confessing, I say, tell me everything. Because the interesting, remember my little story? I may have you know, that what we do is, even when we're confessing, we can try to make it look good. But, but the, the whole idea of confessing is just laying it bare. This is it. So I just, if somebody's lied to me, and they, they, I just tell me everything. Let's get it over with now completely. Blurt it all out. You see, then we can forgive. The problem comes when we find out someone's lied to us. Yeah, that's a little bit more difficult because you have uncovered their deceit. So I often ask questions in the hope that they will come clean. So instead of going, you lied to me, ask questions that will enable them to come into the light and, re- and, and repent. If they don't, we still forgive. The trouble is that trust tails back a little bit. Does that make sense? Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? So when they've confessed, they've blown the whistle on themselves. So trust can be restored much quicker than if they haven't confessed and you've uncovered their lie. You see, the issue is trust. And if people confess, we can forgive. Okay, really, really quick. Don't take the Lord's name in vain. So live a life in integrity, but don't take the Lord's name in vain. Christians love to name drop. And the worst one is when you drop God's name in. You blame God for something you want to do. You know, guys, you know, you're, you're dating this lovely girl. Okay, and, and you know, your, your hope is she's the one. But for one reason or another, you, you feel that she's no longer the one, okay? And, or maybe you've found another girl and you think, I think she could be a better bet for me. Do not say, God has told me to break up with you because God hasn't told you to break up with you. Your flesh has told you to break up with, with her and, and wander off over there. Don't blame God, man up, 
and be a man and say, I don't think this is going to work between us for whatever reason. Tell the truth. God told me. God told you what? Well, the Lord said it was all right to be a bit flirty at work. No, he didn't. That's your flesh. Well, you don't understand, I'm pretty strong. I can do this. No, you can't. You're taking his name in vain. Or, you know, the Lord often speaks to me about moving to Hawaii. Okay? And I'm really open to this. Speak more, Lord, anywhere where the sun shines. But I'm pretty much aware now that is my flesh. That's not God speaking to me. So so when we, we say, God said, did he or did you just want to? And it's not wrong to want to live in Hawaii. Everyone wants to live in Hawaii. Okay, but be careful how you use God's name. Don't say that God told you to do something when he might not have. Instead, just do it and find out if it was God. You see, if God is telling you to do something, yes, sir. And I I mean it, do it. If if, if it really is the Lord, just do it. But if you want to get counsel from somebody, and the Bible's big on getting counsel, say to them, I was thinking of doing this, what do you think? You don't have to use the God card because if God has told you, our counsel is do what God says, obey him. But in many areas of life, what we actually, uh, there's a bit of God in it and there's a bit of what we want to do and uh, there's a bit of a struggle going on inside. So that's why we take counsel to get a discernment as to which bit is God and which bit isn't. But it's much easier for people to give counsel if you don't use the God card. Does that make sense? There you go. Okay. Prophetic words. You don't have to say, thus says the Lord. Just say, I have a word for you. If it's from God, they'll really know it. You don't need to tell someone you're a prophet. If you're speaking God's word, it's absolutely obvious. You don't use God's name to vindicate yourself. You know, it's interesting, when Jesus was before Pilate, he was silent. He didn't speak. You know, and the question is, am I willing to be misunderstood so God can get the glory? You know, when we started this journey as a church, you know, running after his presence, leading people to Jesus, many people thought I was absolutely crazy. But, you know, I, I didn't need to constantly use the God card. I just followed the Holy Spirit as fast as my fat little legs would carry me. The, if it's God, it will become obvious because he will back up what he's, what he's doing. You know, will I allow vindication to be delayed for God to look good? You know, one of the problems is we, sometimes we exaggerate. Anyone here ever exaggerated? Do you know, I remember I was an engineer and I was in a production meeting and we had some um, pieces of equipment that were failing. And I, I went, they're all failing. Everywhere I go, they're failing. And the product, I never, and, but actually there was only 25% that were failing, which was very bad. But, and I remember the production manager, because he, he wanted to cover his own back. He said, that's the problem with you, Steve. You're always exaggerating and people know that you exaggerate and your word isn't your word. <coughs> I thought, oh, Lord, no. So that day I determined that I would always have the facts. 
and that I wouldn't exaggerate because I wanted to be a good representative for Jesus in what I was doing. And um, what I was trying to do was to exaggerate to get them to do something. But my exaggeration had called my word into disrepute. You see, God is very understated. Oh, we've run out of time. You know, when he creates the earth, he says it's good. He never exaggerates. So when he says you are the apple of his eye, it's wonderful. When he says anyone who believes to me in me, I give the power to become children of God, it's amazing. You can trust his word because he creates the world. He goes, yeah, that was good. But you are the apple of my eye. Anybody here who believes in me, I will give the power to be children of God. You see, you can, you can take God's word to the bank and you should be able to take a Christian's word to the bank. So we don't exaggerate our testimony, we tell our testimony. If you've been healed, tell everyone. If you are not healed, keep running after your miracle because it may just be, a, it's just a little bit ahead. We count the number of people getting saved because we don't want to um, exaggerate. We're not evangelistic, okay, where, where we add zeros on. Oh, there was a thousand saved. No, there weren't. The building couldn't hold a thousand. But we're grateful for every life that gives their life to Jesus and we honour that. We don't add a zero. You see, when you misuse God's name, Satan gets in and he creates a cycle of deceit. The only thing that breaks that cycle of deceit is truth and mercy. And Jesus says, let your yes be yes and your no be no for anything more comes from the evil one. What am I saying? If you've given your life to Jesus, his truth and his mercy now lives in your life. Number two, determine from this day that your yes is yes and your no is no because you now represent the one who never lies and always does what he says. If you've lied, confess to those you've hurt. Switch the lights on. If you've been lied to, if you receive a confession, forgive and trust again. Give them, a, give them a break. If you have to uncover it, you still forgive, but the trust sometimes has to tail a little bit longer. Finally, be careful how you use the name of the Lord. No name dropping. And the promise is that you will gain a reputation of living well before God and before man. Done. Stand up and we'll pray.